I had my youngest son that I then did my labs for all of my hormone markers. They were not good. Stress level, very high. Cortisol, very high. Testosterone, very low. Thyroid, not good. One, two, three. I used to be an over-exerciser. Um, 10 years ago in 2013, yeah, flashback, I started doing CrossFit, and I believed during that time that working out incredibly hard, incredibly often, sometimes twice a day, maybe more, was the only way to be fit. Um, I would admittedly internally scoff at a workout that was on the whiteboard that wasn't challenging enough for my standard of you know, caloric expenditure. If it didn't give you that hit <laughs> right. that you needed. For that sweat, mm-hmm. uh, perform at a conversational pace, or if I saw that it was just running, I didn't want to participate in that session because I knew that it wasn't going to leave me sizzling on the floor like bacon, mm-hmm. like drenched in my own puddle. Mm-hmm. Ergo, it wasn't going to get me the results that I wanted. So nutritionally makes sense that that all or nothing approach continued, that everything that went into my mouth was weighed and measured and gluten-free and dairy-free and sugar-free and free, 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 free. And everything in my refrigerator was in perfect glass containers that had the post-it note with the macronutrient content for the time of day that I was going to eat it. And that's the only way that one can get fit Mm -hmm. is being completely specific about that. So no chance I was going to have a bite of your birthday cake. And that just wasn't in the cards. Um, My stress levels during that time were not managed, weren't even thought about. And my lack of sleep wasn't managed, wasn't thought about, that I was kind of burning the candle at both ends. Mm -hmm. And my anxiety and obsessive practices, which we've kind of already highlighted, were ignored by myself and others. So the intense exercise and the meal prep, though, to be fit, like those those were spot on. Um, I knew not and every- And this is not an exaggeration. <laughs> no. This is not an exaggeration. Some of that stuff, you'd be like, oh, she's being cute. Like, she's just saying that to really, that's not an exaggeration. This is real. That's yeah. absolutely real. And the interesting thing is that I was also a coach during all of this time. And I knew that, not everyone was like I was. On and your level. Yes, but that, you know, so not as fit as I was. But that didn't stop me from thinking that that was the only way that I could get results, even though I may have seen something different. So often when training parents or training older individuals or maybe newer individuals, I would notice that. They wouldn't prescribe or do a workout that was do a move in the workout that was as prescribed, even if they could. So I don't mean those scenarios that they just weren't able to. I mm-hmm. do mean the scenarios that they were capable of doing the movement, they, but they were choosing not to. And I remember approaching one woman during a workout on a Friday, so just before the weekend, and I asked her, "Hey, why don't you add some weight onto the bar?" Because she was using an empty barbell. Um, for a workout that in my mind was just becoming too mindless or too easy as mm-hmm. far as like the stimulus that we were hoping for. 
And her response was, I want to feel good when I'm, when, when I'm with my kids this weekend. Mm. So her response was, I want to feel good when I'm with my kids this weekend. And that's always the trump card if someone says, hey, I'm working on my form or mm. this just feels better. I'm like, that's mm. great. Go for it. But I think yeah. my inner dialogue was, but, but why? You could do better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then why are you here? And the same sort of conversation would happen. We had a women's program at the at our old location and the same kind of conversation would happen pretty often that women never really wanted or several women didn't want to hang on the pull-up bar because it would tear up their hands or cause some sort of rip and if you know if the workout made it happen and I remember thinking but ripped hands are cool Mm -hmm. they they heal fast I want this to be cut from bruises on the collarbones like Mm -hmm. Why not? That's Mm -hmm. exactly. So fast forward to 2019. I'm seven months postpartum with Mm. my first son, Walker. And I decided to do Murph Memorial Day RX with a weighted vest on. I had been super diligent about my postpartum programming. So I was like, I can do this. And on my 97th out of 100 pull-ups, I ripped my hand. Went on, got a pretty awesome time, felt amazing. I'm back, baby. Like, (laughs) this is no problem. That having kids thing for me, you know, whatever. But that night, I had to give Walker a bath. And the soap seeping in to that rip on Mm. my hand Mm -hmm. made that so uncomfortable that in that moment, I specifically remember thinking, I can't train this way anymore. Mm. And then the next day when I didn't want to hold him because my arms didn't feel so good and I wanted to lay around on the couch and have a very relaxed day when the seven-month-old wants a little bit more activity, that even hit home more that I was so worn out because of a workout that I couldn't parent. So all of those conversations with people who wanted to do ring rows or pull-ups or empty barbell or movements that felt good flashed into my head and I finally got it. Hmm. I am here today to encourage people to think of working out as something that builds you up instead of tears you down. Mm -hmm. And I think the current culture of fitness, which will, you know, get into i'm sure riff on yeah yeah tells you otherwise yeah and more specifically i want to address parents and i would outline kind of the that it's okay for you to change the way that you train depending on your phase of life and probably a good idea that you do so and i want to address coaches of parents that probably the most important thing is figuring out that person's goal and having conversations and listening to what they have going on in their life in order for us to accurately decide how they should train mm. and participate that day. We've we've basically elected ourselves to be ambassadors between these two worlds, <laughs> the world of parents, which I, I was telling you before we started, there's there's some cynicism from parents too. It's like you just don't understand. You know, it's like the most common thing here. It's like you've no idea what it's like to be a parent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is true if you've never been a parent. 
And then on the other side, there's there's cynicism, there's bias, there's there's a lack of education from the trainer that that is trying to to help a parent and they just don't understand that it's a different game that's being played. And so they're applying a lot of those rules that you said prior to having kids that you were very successful with. And I think the cynicism is just like, oh, like you just you're just not disciplined enough or uh, maybe you need some more motivation. And it's like, ah, oh, you just don't get it. So, so to echo what you said, I'm really excited to have this conversation because it's something that we're really passionate about. Um, I want you to know that I hold you in the highest regard. I, I want the world to know you're one of my favorite people. And, and maybe we should start with who you are. <laughs> yes. Uh, my name is Alyssa Monaco. I'm the director of client experience here mm. at BPR. And I've been working in the Dallas fitness industry since June 2011. So, if, if you're from Dallas, you know that this person sitting across from me is a legend in this community. <laughs> it's true. It's Thank true. You. Anybody ever said, like, you know, this was like, oh my gosh, like, okay, all right, all right, just. Rain it in, okay? I know her too. You don't have to talk to me like she's a complete stranger. So you've been doing this for a really long time. Yes. Um, so, you know, between the two of us, we're going to speak on almost 30 years of this stuff. Jeez. So I, um, yes, just hit 12 years, and I've been with BPR since March 2016. So I am so thankful for that. We'll be at, what, eight years um, in the spring. Mm. Um, so saying that, I've coached all types of athletes, kids, school athletes, professional athletes and coaches and trainers. And we don't need to name drop too much, but, um, you know, the very in shape yeah. people, maybe we will at the end <laughs> and the very out of shape. And most of all people who are parents, mm -hmm. women are men, women and men. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I first started coaching parents, similar to what we just said, I was not a parent myself. And now I have an almost five and an almost three-year-old. And we're having this conversation today because there's a better understanding of what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah, there's an, there's an empathy that, that we have now. And I've told some stories in previous episodes where it's like, hey, uh, yeah, why can't you just get your act together? <laughs> I mean, basically, and I didn't say that, but in my mind it's like, oh, yeah, you just you don't care about fitness as much as I do. And now having been on both sides of that, you realize it's it's almost like th this is the only analogy I can come up with, that before you have kids, you look at fitness like this triangle, and there's all these different components. And, you know, just like you said, like you weren't just exercising hard and then eating whatever you want. Like you were really dialed in a lot of aspects. But when you have kids, you realize that it's a it's like a pyramid, and there's there's different sides to it but they still interact together. And then when you have another kid, it's like there's another side of the pyramid. So it's like this this like really robust um, image that you're looking at as a parent, but a lot of times a coach that doesn't have that perspective, they still only see like that, that two-dimensional object. And so they're making recommendations here. When you're looking at the whole thing, you're like, hey man, it's not gonna work, <laughs> you know? I, I had, I remember having a nutritional client who asked me once, can you help me put up with, or can you help me put together recipes that are kid friendly and not quite so, you know, have this many ounces of these things? 
And that was really hard for me. And because I didn't understand, I'm like, well, what do you mean? You're not going to weigh it all out. Like I said, and, um, you're not going to eat these things. And that was hard for me to get on board with. Mm -hmm. And you know, I don't think I've ever even said this to you, but because Kelly and I, I guess we had two girls when Walker was born. So, so our kids, for those that don't know, are nine, seven, and four. I, I think I even put you on a pedestal a little bit. I was like, man, because I knew all those things that had happened before you had kid, like kids, like, hey, Alyssa's really dialed. So she may be the one person who can be that's dialed. able to figure yeah, this yeah. out, right? She may be <laughs> yeah. the one person yeah. that that actually can not get their ass handed to them mm-hmm. as a parent. And, you know, say as much or as little as you want, but that transition into being a parent where a lot of these things did work, and not just, you know, because you fast forward to seven months postpartum, what did you realize as far as like that transition and like, hey, this thing that that once did work for me, now I'm going to have to look at some other things. Or, or can you, mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, can you yeah. explain that a little bit? Because I think it would be really helpful. Because most of the time we assume like, well, this person just doesn't want it bad enough. But it wasn't a motivation factor for you. It wasn't a discipline factor for you. It wasn't even a logistics or a coordination. Like, you, you're really good at that. But yet you even had some experiences where it's like, okay, I've got to give myself some grace. Mm-hmm. I have to change the expectations that I have even for, you know, these things that that before I would feel completely in control of. Mm-hmm. And I think so looking at that pyramid or that triangle, one thing we say in our house when people ask us like, "Hey, how was it going from one kid to two?" Well, you have the same amount of hours in a day, but an, another human. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we added another human. So that just means there's a different allotment of time that I can spend on things. Mm-hmm. And as far as the practices of it all is, I would say that when Walker was born, I tried to kind of keep on keeping on with that high horse of how to um, be dialed in. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I had my youngest son, Woods, that I then did all of uh, my labs for all of my hormone markers they were not good. Uh, stress level, very high. Cortisol, very high. Um, testosterone, very low. Every thyroid, not good. And, <laughs> guys, it wasn't good. Every, um, everything you don't want to see, yeah. And, and yet, my doctor was asking me questions about my lifestyle. And all of those things that are on the surface, I, it was clear that I was so much healthier than the people that they see. The, the things that they were telling me to eat and do, and that was, I was doing it. But what I wasn't doing is the anxiety, the stress, the focusing on sleep. Mm. I did as much as I could, but I had two small humans. So that really put into perspective for me that, hey, in order to be really healthy, mm-hmm. it does not have to do with that one hour in the gym. And if you look, I started to look at those pieces of the puzzle for other health markers, which we've 
you know, you've talked about so much of health being a system, Mm -hmm. but that's why we focus on that here because there are other questions that I needed to ask myself about how much caffeine I was having. When was I having it? What was I doing to calm my brain as best as I could? Was there still community and connection with Mm. other people? Was there, um, you know, was I going down a rabbit hole of anxiety, thinking about things and putting energy towards things that didn't even exist? And so that's been a reframe Mm -hmm. because I think that that taught me too that in the system of health or fitness or um, caloric expenditure, all that stuff, that actually the exercise portion is only 10% of how much in the day that you are burning. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's your brain activity, there's your fidgeting, there's your gesticulation like I do all of the time. But that fitness portion was such a small percentage of um, what makes us fit. And that had weighed so heavily. So I also changed my expectation during that time of what fitness needed to be. I had to totally reframe my brain. Mm. And in our house, we say expectation minus experience equals happiness. So what I mean by that is if I go into a workout thinking, this better rock me. And don't get me wrong, I still love hard workouts, but we'll talk about kind of how I decide to do those. Mm -hmm. But if I think this needs to be like amazing, 100 expectation, I'm going to do so great and I'm probably going to PR everything and I'm going to beat all the people. But the experience is not that. Then my happiness level is not high. Mm Mm-hmm. But if I go in thinking, I'm going to move my blood, I'm going to have a good conversation or two, I'm going to make this about building me up, and I mean by the weight that I'm lifting or by the feeling that I'm getting or by the conversation that I'm having or the thing that I'm learning, that makes the experience so much better. And then I leave feeling different Mm. or differently. And so for me... It was actually after two kids that I realized, hey, I need to change what this means. You guys kind of talked about that in the burnout episode of like, Mm -hmm. what does the workout actually mean? But as soon as I retrained that, and that can apply to so many different types of people, that hour of my day was no longer the most important. And I think that nutritionally, it was actually causing more anxiety by putting so many rules. Now I'm still structured, but not in a way that I'm defined by that. Hey, if I have a bite of this, my whole day, I say like, if you stomp on your eye or if you drop your iPhone and it breaks or the screen breaks, you then wouldn't continue stomping on your iPhone. Meaning if I have a bite of cake at someone's birthday party, I then am not the person who's then like, well, give me the whole cake. I've already Mm -hmm. had a bite of cake. I'm going to feel fine with that and go from there. I don't need to just stomp on the problem, but I also don't need to completely like put my phone in a glass bubble and never make sure it overdrops. Mm-hmm. Like there's different ways. Um, another thing that we that I try to do is we talk about juggling a lot as parents. And if I always remember that when I'm juggling, everyone has a lot of balls that they're juggling. The glass balls, I never want to drop. The plastic balls, it's okay if they drop sometimes. The glass balls are my family, 
myself, my husband, my relationship to my husband. And I have to ask myself, hey, if I do this workout that's going to rip my hands and uh, make it so I don't want to play the next day, that's probably me dropping a glass ball. Mm -hmm. How can I make sure my priorities are right? Yeah. You know, before we started, we said like our our experience so far is with kids under 10 years old. And so a lot of the that that great visual of a glass ball. Let me let's just break down what it what it means to be a parent for those that aren't a parent. Mm -hmm. But it, it would be <laughs> it would be like it would be like this. You decide that you want to help people mm -hmm. like you just you had that that notion and then someone's like okay cool then here's what I'm going to do for you I'm going to put you in this mental ward with people that poop their pants <laughs> and are trying to kill themselves several times a day they can't talk and they need your constant supervision good luck Oh, and just so you know, like they're gonna start like at this size, and then as they get bigger, they're really cute though. Yeah, <laughs> it'll actually get worse. <laughs> and you're like, okay, I mean, that's not really what I was thinking. I was thinking like this would, you know, be something where I, you know, it's like a fun ideal, and it, and it gives me purpose. But um, I mean, that's that's a silly exaggeration. But a lot of what you're saying is like I didn't realize that it wasn't just taking on another priority. It was the first time in my life where there was something that was really stressful. And some of the stress is because this thing can't take care of itself. And so it's not like, oh, you know, I'm going to take on another job, but I'm with adults or even getting married. It's like, all right, you know, your priorities are important, but you're an adult. <laughs> you know, And, and so I, I say that because to, to become a parent, is taking on this not physical stress, but it's this psychological stress of being in charge of something else that can't take care of itself. And there is no experience that I have had that mimics that in any way, shape, or form. And I think that is one of the things that all parents have in common. Like to step into that means that every single parent has been knocked on their ass and every single parent, maybe for the first time, especially, and I don't want to put myself on your level, but for those that have been successful in lots of things and those that are high achievers and those that are disciplined and those that have actually figured out how to do this thing called fitness, like we still have experiences where we feel like failures and it's this insidious amount of stress that permeates not acutely with a hard workout where you are voluntarily inducing that, but it's this low level that you've mentioned a few times with the word, you know, anxiousness that creeps into like every single layer of your life. And so I think a big shift. That's the allostatic load that you Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Allostatic load is just looking at the, the total accumulative stress that's in all the areas of your life. And I think when you when you cross over that chasm from not being a parent to being a parent, you're introducing all of this in a way that you can't really account for. You can't put a finger on it like, hey, I did 
this weight on the back squat, so I know it's going to do this to me, right? It shows up in ways that you can't even you can't even really reconcile, but you know that it's there. And so maybe a simple way of, of saying that is prior to kids, a coach's job is to try to induce stress, right? We know that's how the body changes. As soon as that person becomes a parent, it's about managing and it's about reducing in a way, right? Just like you said, hey, a workout, that was a novel concept. What are you, what are you talking about? You mean a workout is supposed to be enjoyable? That took me a long mm-hmm. time to wrap my head around, mm-hmm. right? That took me a long time to be like, I need this to release the valve of pressure, not to create more. That's a 180. Maybe to be a credit instead of a debit always. Yeah. And he, Cost. Yeah. And, and I mean, we know this stuff like the back of our hand, and even that takes some coaching to make me feel like that's okay. Mm. To go into a session and to be like, what I need today is not a debit. What I need right now is a credit. And so let's let's go into the specifics of that because I think the details around that could be really valuable for a coach and then even for a parent. Um, because I don't know about you, but, but prior to kids, it was like, I got one way that I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And now with kids, and you alluded to it, it's like you need to have options. Like the expectations of only being able to do it that one way doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's talk about that. The options around training, how you step-by-step step figure out what you need for the day. Cause I think that would be really helpful for people mm-hmm. to hear. Yeah. I think for parents, but also for coaches and parents to know that a great question to ask yourself is on a scale of one to 10, how am I doing today? What does the week look like? What is what does what's going on in my brain look like? And a great example for me is Andrew is going, my husband is going out of town next week. That means that I will be with my kids all of the time. Every hour. hour. (laughs) And I love them and I love that. Um, It also means that there's work and responsibilities and all of that that will be juggled. Now, that to me tells me, hey, my training from for that week is not something that I then can't participate in life. It will be very structured to me feeling good and moving. And if it needs to cut this a little bit or make this a warm up round instead of a real round, that's great. Um, so asking myself that every day, because we talk a lot in here about how training should be something that is feeling good and constant. And there might be, you know, one or two sessions during the week that you are doing something a little bit more intense mm-hmm. or you are getting that hit, that high intensity interval for 15 minutes max or so. Mm-hmm. And that how that cardio doesn't need to be something that is breaking you down. It's wonderful when it is complementary to your program. So I always like to ask people for that scale and ask myself for that scale. As far as what workouts look like, they, if they're in the gym, it might be that I've, you know, changed my goal of what that session needs to be. If it is at home, it might be that it's not like I had my pre-workout before and I'm working out at this perfect time and it's going to last exactly an hour and I'm going to have the perfect playlist. Mm -hmm. 
it might be that it's 20 minutes now and then 20 minutes later on tonight. And it might be, like I alluded to, that the first couple of rounds of a six-round workout are just me trying to move my muscles Mm -hmm. because I just stepped foot into the garage or just stepped foot into, you know, an independent training session. It might be, and I do this a lot, and I've told you this, but it might be on a day that I can't work out that, or I don't have a chance to steal away some time that I have the workout kind of last the whole day. Mm-hmm. So maybe every hour I'm doing 10 push-ups. That's not scary. And I only do that five or six times. Or maybe it's air squats. Or maybe I do it for 10 of the hours of the day. Or maybe I have to do this many burpees. And it's always a very small number, something that my kids might see me do, and then they'll drop on the floor and do it too. Mm-hmm. But it's not that mommy's taking away time in order to work out. now hear me say, I also think it's wonderful to have your kids see you work out. Mm. And I also think it's very important to cultivate yourself by finding time to work out. But for me to say as a coach, there's always time. I don't think that that's the case. So if you have these tools in your tool belt of ways to kind of take the pressure off of what a session needs Mm -hmm. to be. That's a good word it can drastically change things for you. And and Andrew, my husband, is a great example that he used to do this CrossFit thing hardcore and could do a lot of things really well. And when he started a new job in 2018 and we had our son, he had to reframe what training looked like, that mm-hmm. it might be 20 minutes in the morning and 20 minutes in the afternoon. It might be a run here and then a you know, three to four set little bodybuilding session in the afternoon because it wasn't worth the stress added onto his load for how he could participate in life. If we can kind of make that feel more smooth, we're going to feel better. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, and as I hear you talk, we've done some similar things, and it's been in the times I've coached young parents – this seems to be a really helpful uh, exercise, no pun intended, to go through before things are real and they're stressful. And, and you basically mentioned two categories. It's what's the appropriate level of exertion that I can expect of myself today and what's the amount of time mm-hmm. that I have to allocate to this. And based on those, it's really helpful, and I've done this and I've coached people to do the same thing, I want you to write a few different go-to workouts. Okay, here's example number one. Scale of one to ten, you're at a ten, which you know doesn't happen very often. You're at a ten, and you got a whole hour. Hey, what does that ideal session look like? Mm-hmm. You know, for me, it's like a thorough warm-up. It's A one, A two, B one, B two, B three, C. A little conditioning at the oh, end. Wow. Oh, it's, it's beautiful, perfect. right? It's mm-hmm. beautiful. But then. Yeah, when you're a five, what does it look like? When you're a zero, when you're a zero, what does it look like? And that's kind of what we were alluding to before. Like, hey, this needs to be energy giving, not draining. If if you do a workout and it makes you sick, you blew it. But then the other thing, and I think it's way more um, common, for example, when we started having kids, I owned a gym. So I was like, oh, well, for sure, Kel will just come up and work out. And it was... I think it was four years before she came and did a workout. 
And it wasn't because she wasn't motivated. And it wasn't because she didn't have the energy. Mm-hmm. It's because she didn't have the, the resources or the desire to have to, to watch the kid while she was training. It made more sense that while Stella was napping, she would go into the garage with 20 minutes, like you said. Mm-hmm. And so I think even if you're at a 10, but you only have 20 minutes, like you said, what are the options going to be if you have, you know, no time at all, or if you have no equipment or you can't make it up to the gym, like to basically think through your contingency plans as a parent, I think is really helpful because if the only option you have is, well, the only way I can get in shape is to go to a 60 minute class up at the gym, Mm -hmm. you are going to be instantly disappointed Mm -hmm. by your inability to do that. And you're going to think something wasn't worth your time if you were in the mindset that you already were pressed for time. But I think it's important to have those workouts. A great example for me mm-hmm. is 10 reps of something. Mm-hmm. So I'll pick three movements or, or five movements, whatever mm-hmm. I feel like, and I'll just do 10 reps of them. And I might have you know a different rep count, but just to keep it so basic mm-hmm. that if I'm thinking I don't have time for this today, yeah, I can do I can do this pretty quick. And I moved my blood and I felt good. And that moved the needle on me being a healthy individual. Mm-hmm. It didn't require more than that. But I would also say one thing that I did postpartum that I look back on is I was nervous about the time. I mean, I live in Lake Highlands, so it can take me 17 minutes or so to get here. Mm -hmm. And I remember right at the beginning of that, I thought, man, I have to be in the car for 17 to 20 minutes and then go in and then do an hour class and then do the same thing on the way back. That's a lot of time. However, if I reframe that as this is my alone time. Mm, In the car. In the car, alone. That's a big deal. Oh, that's amazing. And you've called it this before, but windshield time. Mm. So that that could mean that I treat that time as podcast time or audible book time Mm -hmm. or jamming out to a playlist time at a high volume, and that's not Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. (laughs) It's not the Encanto it's, soundtrack. It's not. It's not. It's, it's not. Let it go. It's not. But so if I treat it as that or I turn off the music and I think about this is so dorky, but I think about things like I'm nose breathing in the car mm-hmm. and I am calming myself down mm-hmm. and I am listening to something that I want or I'm not listening to anything and I am thinking and actually shutting off the world to have time mm. to think quietly it's incredible how much comes into your brain (laughs) when you allow yourself to do that an opportunity yes Mm -hmm. and I was having a conversation with a friend um, about that who just joined here and she has a similar drive and I said hey I think you just need to retrain what that means to you and what that time is and then it's going to feel a lot more valuable Mm -hmm. and that goes back to the expectation if you think about that hour not as I'm going to burn as many calories as possible but hey, I'm going to have these conversations and learn some things and stretch a little bit and get a little bit better, then the whole thing changes. So there are times that I justify that amount of time by thinking of it that way. And there are times, to Kelly's point, that I can't leave the house Mm -hmm. and I have to just do it this way. And as long as I know that all of those are good options and I think through what those options could be, And that's why a coach can help you program those ideas too. Mm -hmm. You could talk with them about, hey, what's some quickies that I could do in the garage 
on days that I can't get here, that opens up so many doors. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking of the coach's role and it's, it's not easy. And I think that's why a lot of times we just reduce it down to being cynical and being, you know, with a lack of understanding because in our twenties, we probably both gravitated towards coaches that were motivating, you know, that, that had a commanding voice, made it super enjoyable, but, but you knew like, Hey, I'm stepping into a really challenging environment. The other extreme of that is almost like coddling. It's mm. almost like, Oh, bless your heart. You know, Oh, you're a parent. Mm. Oh, here, here, have a cocktail and let's complain about our kids' sports schedule. And we also aren't going to benefit from that. So mm. it's like, it, I do think it is like this really, really narrow precipice of there is a tightrope there. There's a tightrope of, as a coach realizing like, okay, this is a much more expansive system that we're dealing with. What seems to be the limiting factor for this person, for you, you like, Hey, it's managing stress. It's recovery. For me, it was, it was nutrition, to be honest. It wasn't training. I could still get in to do that, but I had made allowances because I enjoy food so much to celebrate more and more and more, just making it to the end of the day as a parent. And so I think as a coach, you have to, you have to be patient. You have to, to supernaturally try to understand something that you haven't experienced yourself. And you systematically are going through each factor that, that maybe for you is only a hypothetical. You know, when, when you're 22, you're going to sleep when you need to sleep. And so that may not be like a consideration that you've got to think of for yourself, but for this person, like investigate everything, figure out what's the weakest link and don't just polish the link or like talk about it, like do what you can to make it better. And the way to do that is to, to come up with the simplest way for them to execute because I never experienced decision fatigue Mm. before becoming a parent. Mm. I think that's what's, tied to allostatic load and stress is the amount of decisions that you have to make, right? That's what's stressful. There's a lot of management. There's a lot of decisions to make. And And emotions. Yeah. (laughs) There was a coach that I really uh, respect and he, he said on a podcast and I was, I was so disappointed with this. He's like, man, if you, if you show up at 6am every morning to work out, you're not getting better. You might as well sleep in. I was like, Hey, one, I realized like, you're not a parent. Mm-hmm. And two, sometimes like just kind of what we were saying before, just making that decision that like, hey, if I have the option, this is what I'm going to do. And even if I'm not progressing like I would like, just the fact that I don't have to make that decision, that's a win for me. Nutritional plans, coming up with pre-established decisions of what you're going to do when you eat out, what the week looks like, what breakfast looks like, what kids are going to eat versus what you're going to eat thinking through all that ahead of time so you don't have to in in the moment make that decision is is what I think a coach's role is is like coming alongside them with more sleep than they have with less emotion than they have and just saying hey I think this is a great way to like start it's probably not the way to finish mm-hmm. but I think this is a great way for us just to like begin to do this hey and just like we're talking about hey you're going to eat every four hours <laughs> yes. hey this thing if it's colored white you're just not going to eat it 
Hey, on Saturday, I want you to have a glass of wine or whatever. You know, it's like not perfect rules, but like something. And little by little. Little by little, making little increments, little improvements. Because Um, I think there's so much out there that mm -hmm. says do these things to be healthy. And that, guess what, makes you even more stressed out. Trying to be perfect, similar to in a different way of being healthy than the first you know, story that I gave about how I thought that's how to be perfect. Well, now it's almost flipped the other way of you got to do all these things mm-hmm. to be well. It's impossible. It's impossible. So if we kind of see what that lowest hanging fruit is, let's work with everybody or let's work with someone on that. And then we'll also work on this. And then we'll also work on this. And we'll kind of see how that feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but But absolutely. I have a question for you. Do you feel like there are unrealistic examples of what a mom should be able to do? I mean, I already know the answer, but especially like through social media, like like Absolutely. not not like the, you know, 22-year-olds that are promoting that, but it's like, "Hey, I'm I'm a mom on Instagram and look look at how I'm look at how I'm thriving in all of these areas. Absolutely. Follow me." I think that and you've talked about this on the podcast before, but that is where social media is just devastating. Mm-hmm. I think for a, a new mom or a mom, it can be a very overwhelming and stressful experience. And that is probably a scenario where you need to remove those people. And maybe you just follow your friends so you can see cute pictures of their kids. But if that (laughs) even stresses you out because you're like, shoot, we're not at the flight museum. Am I supposed to go there? (laughs) Then (laughs) that isn't the point of this thing. But, yeah, I think that there's – and you mentioned this too. I think parent culture can be difficult – because you're trying to fit in with what it means to be a parent. Hmm. And that's, oh, we got to go to this auction party and we got to do this thing at school. And we These are have, total hypothetical yeah, examples. Totally, yeah, this doesn't real. happen. Uh, and we have to have our kids in all of these activities. And that's the only way they're going to be smart. And that's the only way they're going to get into college. And they have to learn at these places. And we posted from... Um, on the Instagram a while back for BPR about being unpopular. And that might mean, hey, for our family or for me, the wise decision for us is to go to sleep at this time or to not participate in this thing and call us weird. But that's what keeps us healthy and on a well-rounded note. And as long as you're okay with maybe these unpopular decisions, Because I do think that sometimes when you get into women's groups or parents' groups, it turns into this. It's a drinking club. Mike, yes. And this complaining about kids. It's like, hey, I actually really like my kids. So I don't really want to sit here and complain about kids. Um, But that can be difficult. And so when coming into the gym, I sometimes will have parents even do that with me, that, oh, I didn't sleep because of this. And I'm like, how can we rework our conversations Mm -hmm. that this gym is talking about things that are super positive in your life, and then I bet that's going to change how this hour goes. That's so good. And and how it, it starts there. But but another thing that we haven't talked too much about is is sleep. And that's something that's brought up 
a lot with parents, at least of younger, of younger kids. Mm -hmm. And I have a, I have a rule that if I don't get eight hours of sleep, if it's, or at least seven and a half at the minimum, the next day I am doing zone two cardio or just a walk, a stroll. I am doing, I'm focusing on my NEAT, meaning the amount, uh, the non, uh, remind me, the non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, yeah, Yeah. sure. Meaning the amount that I'm moving, my steps, my um, walking around the house, my lifting things, my carrying my kids, that's a great thing to focus on for how to be healthy. If this, then this. And correct. At five AM, you don't have to make that choice. Exactly. It's it's already it's already, made for it's you. already made for you. If you look on and I have tons of thoughts on Apple watches and stuff, but if you look at a stat that mm-hmm. tells you how long you slept or you at least looked at the you know, iPhone or clock mm-hmm. in your room of what time you went to bed and then mm-hmm. you wake up, hey, I only hit this, that answers a lot of questions for me on what I need to be. And I think that that can be hard with things like social media and, and motivating trainers of telling mm. you, hey, that means you're not consistent or you're not pushing. That's actually not the case. There's things that are glass balls in mm-hmm. that situation mm-hmm. that I have to be smart about. Yeah, that's really good. I want to talk about the victim mentality that parents have and, and maybe what the coach's role is in that. Because it's very it's very easy to get into a, a nice complaining storm and just being a being an uncommon parent is not very popular Mm. and kelly and i were talking just last night it's like hey do we want to do what we think is right for our kids or do we want to have friends Mm -hmm. and the answer is we didn't have to like sit and like ponder on it it's like oh we're gonna do what's right for our kids always so what do you think the coach's role in that is? Like, because the word I keep thinking of is like encourage. It's like infusing them with courage to do something that is unpopular. And so, you know, especially as, as a mom or even like in the phase where, you know, they're baby babies, like what are some of the things that you would want to say to yourself mm-hmm. looking back? or you'd want to say to another parent as encouragement to to make some of those choices. Does that make sense? I'm yeah, saying? I think the biggest thing for a coach to do, and we talk about this so much on the podcast, but asking questions and mm-hmm. asking the right questions. And I think that I, I used to personal train all of the time, and I didn't ask the right questions. And I'm not going to beat myself up on that because I didn't have kids. I didn't know what kind mm-hmm. of questions to ask but I would want to enliven the coach that is working with a parent in a class or in a personal training environment to really listen and hone in to figure out kind of what the root cause mm-hmm. is. What is it that is causing stress that's probably elevating your cortisol, that's making your recovery less effective, that's making your digestion go down? What is it? that we need to address there. And so I think the conversation when those people are coming into the gym is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. There are those conversations about consistency and I think 
a big thing is also talking about like prioritizing themselves too, because God, I think mom, good. moms and parents, God, that's good. Moms and dads, you feel selfish. You do, you do, and I, I know that, but I also don't want to swing to the way of Instagram being like you got to cultivate yourself and do this. I think it's, it is super important that you have to make sure that you are one of those glass balls too. And there are seasons that are just seasons mm -hmm. that there may be a little bit less time on you. But if you're not cultivating your relationship with your significant other and yourself and letting them cultivate themselves aside from the kids, then things aren't going to be moving elsewhere. And I've read in a number of stories that people are like, I, my body composition actually changed when I changed my brain hmm. because I wasn't putting yeah. time and energy on things that didn't matter. And if we, th we talked about this at the beginning, but if fitness is such a small piece of the puzzle in the day, if you are over exercising, let's, that's one end of the spectrum versus the like not caring about yourself. But if you're over exercising, you're actually drawing attention or excuse me, drawing energy from the other things in your life, like your brain function. So you might be having mental fog, your digestion, your endocrine system. So you're just busting yourself up in a lot of ways. And I say all that in the coach needs to talk to their athletes about what else is going on to be their advocate mm -hmm. of what that quarter, that day needs to look like. And it's not just motivating them and saying, I'll call you at 6 a.m. I'll make sure that you get up. It's <laughs> like, no. No, we don't need that. I don't need anyone else calling me yeah. first thing in the morning. That made me stressed yeah. <laughs> just saying that. No one needs to call me. Uh, but they, it, it, that's a you know hard topic. And I think women too, this goes off on a little tangent, but they think go it's more, it. more, more. Go, go, go. I have to burn this, do this. That's the only way to be successful. And I would call myself like an expert as far as working yeah. with women worked with a lot of women I would also say that's the most challenging group to work mm -hmm. with and it's because they think that the only way to be successful is to address just that first thing and not all of those other things mm -hmm. not everyone but a lot yeah and even just the mom guilt mm -hmm. of you know the only way that you can feel successful is if you do that and the only way you can get a good workout is if you go to this place mm -hmm. and you get to go and it's mm. that's not necessarily or do this type of workout. Ah, oh, it breaks my heart. It really does. Mm. And that's a that's a hard thing to break. And I think that's not something that you break right away. That's little conversations and little tidbits that you say to someone of, hey, this is how that workout should feel. You said it on Monday. So at at our gym, we had a workout on Monday. Um, I think it was this week. Who knows? They all run together as a parent, <laughs> what year is let's it? be honest. And you said, hey, this workout is supposed to be something that's building you up for the week. This is something that in this grand scheme of what the week looks like should make you feel good. You're moving towards the goal, etc." And that is a really hard concept to teach a lot of people, mm -hmm. but just those little nuggets here and there can be 
impactful of this this little portion in the big in the middle of the workout hey I want you to go hard on that I don't want it to be so hard that we can't like talk later Mm -hmm. or that you can't do the next portion it's supposed to prep you for the next portion and just be something that complements it all and just those little comments as much as you can I think are helpful for a Mm. former over exerciser of like I'm going to do all of this and I'm going to do it so well yeah I uh, it makes me think I had a conversation with a gym owner that, that thing you said, it's one of the things I'm the most proud of with our culture that, you know, I remember like just the, the persona when we first started of, if you're late, you give me burpees. You and know, now like, do you have so much patience for parents oh, who are late? It, well, when they're and we late, can talk about that and the yeah. talking during class and stuff. Yeah. But. It's like, Hey, I'm just so happy you're here, <laughs> you know, because I have that, that change in perspective, but I was talking to a gym owner in Tennessee. She's... 50 just took ownership of this gym and she has been hiding the fact that she can't move perfectly Mm -hmm. because the culture there is you do this as prescribed you do it just like this you don't do it at all this is the way it counts yeah Mm -hmm. and i was just i was shocked to think that there's still gyms like that Mm -hmm. where you know the culture is you go hard you don't go at all and i'm so thankful that there's a more realistic like ecosystem in here that everybody's at a different place you know it's like chin over the bar pull-ups it's like I don't care I don't care anymore yes I know theoretically that a full range of motion about your joint is more healthy but that's like one variable of 20 like you just described and I'm I'm thankful that we're on like that that path of travel and I don't I don't have any textbook to support this but what it feels like from what I've experienced so far is that prior to kids, you have this great opportunity. It's almost like the way that we program, right? There's there's like, you know, these different in periodization, these different cycles where you're you're accumulating, there's maintenance, there's almost like mm-hmm. a test, and then there's like mm-hmm. this recovery. And it feels like prior to kids, a very longitudinal model of that is like, hey, build up as much fitness as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. When you have kids, it doesn't mean that you can't continue to progress. But it means that the thing that you're trying to master is no longer the, the physical accumulation, it's mitigating stress. And like the most successful parent is the one that's even keeled the whole time. It's not the one with muscles, mm-hmm. right? It's the one that like, man, they just never seem to get upset about anything. They seem to really prioritize their, their spouses, their partner's well-being. And then as the kids get to a certain age, I can only imagine that it's an opportunity to pick right back up mm-hmm where where you did previously and at the same time just like andrew's doing where it's like hey i just pivoted and now like i'm a runner Mm -hmm. you know it's easy when i travel i mean that's that's sheer genius but i think like you said like every season has an end and it has a transition and it feels like in this season as a coach as a parent the secret is how to manage stress the secret is how to recover and then at some point i think that that will end or it will change. And maybe like we said, the, the stress will actually increase, but your capacity to offload that in other ways will change. Maybe that's, so I don't think like there's anything like being past your prime. I think just the definition of prime changes with each season, right? Yeah. You are not who you were 10 years ago, but man, you're 
way cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is there anything better? It, we, I, I told that story about, like, you know, the insane asylum. But, like, being a parent's the, the greatest thing ever. It's, I... I wouldn't, I wouldn't go back to I my 20s for all the money in the world. I only want to pictures of my children. Yeah. No, I, I think my coaching style changed the most as a parent in the fact that I was a lot more flexible. You mentioned this, that when people came to class late, I was like, thank you for being here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure mm-hmm. something happened this mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. I'm so glad you're here. And on movement, that... I still, I am a learner, as I know you are with the whole strengths finder thing. Mm-hmm. I still love the power of teaching people something. I think it's important in a class to have some point of education, but I also think you want some point of results. So that means you need to teach them moves that they can do that will be effective for them. That's the only way results will happen or they're going to hurt hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. So you have the education piece the results piece that, and then you also have the experience piece, meaning the music and the vibe mm-hmm. and and the fun, mm-hmm. and all of those things have to be there. And with the learning piece, I will still teach people how to do something, but I'll make it very clear when I'm teaching it that I am not expecting everyone to move through exactly that. So we might go through a pull-up progression, but that's just in the way of like, hey, I want to get your shoulders warm. I'm giving options the entire Mm. time of if this doesn't work, try this. I want you to see how these things feel. And in the workout, you will do it this way. If that feels a little better, talk to me. But it's not like this is the standard. And if you don't have it, Mm. you're not successful. But there's just this more flexibility of like, thanks for being here. Let's teach you some stuff. But you know what you need to do today or your coach, your individual coach does with the way we do here. But then I would also say I'm a lot more flexible with the way the class goes. So Mm. I used to have uh, someone in my class who uh, talked constantly. And I remember, I wouldn't say annoyed, but I was aware. I was yeah. aware that there was like always a side conversation mm-hmm. and it happened. Hey, don't you know the play's already started? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. silence your yeah. phone. Yeah. There is a performance <laughs> going on here. But that used to like be in my brain, not rattle me because I'm a true professional on stage, mm-hmm. you know, but it would it would be in my mind that I thought the intention of this workout is breathless and you are turning on the rower and talking to your friend like there's something missing here. And then when I became a parent and I restructured what that workout needed to be and I would come to a class and I would want to talk to someone too because I was talking to small humans all day. I wanted to talk to different people. Mm-hmm. I was like, I get it. I get it. This this is not cut and dry and this is the way it's supposed to be and you have to have your chin over the bar and you have to do exactly the stimulus. Everybody's coming at it in a different way. And it's funny that this place meant to you great conversations with your friends and ways to work out with them, then I need to honor that. Yeah. And I can still motivate you and be and like razz you a little bit about certain things, but not in any way that it doesn't go along with your goal, which is just to be here. Mm-hmm. And so that has changed a lot. And I think at at the whiteboard, um, since we use those here, it you, my conversation at the whiteboard used to be a lot like do this in order to get this and this is the way you do it. And now it's a lot more flexible. It's a lot more inviting. And that's because of 
this understanding that we are all very different at different points in our lives. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, in this time capsule of when you know, we'll look back at this episode, if it was 1990 and high intensity exercise hadn't really been the thing that was in vogue for the last several years, the pendulum may be swinging the other way. Right. It, it maybe 10 years from now, I'd be like, hey, you actually need you actually need a little bit more intensity. You let it you let it go too far. But for us, even by saying that, even by these briefs at the whiteboard, even by all these protocols that we're talking about. Very rarely do I have to encourage someone to train harder. Right. It's that's mm. not it's and even for myself. I was going like, to say, don't hear us say that you don't have to train you know train yeah. or prioritize train or training or not work hard like that's yeah. not what we're saying <laughs> yeah everybody gets the smoke <laughs> <laughs> but it's just being it's being uh, it's being more nuanced about it right and it's knowing like okay today's the day like i'm going to i'm going to go for it instead of well this is just what i do all the time i think that's what we're saying right it's it's no less important but it's just being more creative about it mm. instead of just kind of a blockhead about it. <laughs> you know? Like, oh, this is what I do, it'll work out. It's like, well, yeah, you know, like there's some there's some finesse around this thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but it's like most of the time when I'm training people, I'm not I'm not having them motivate them to go harder in the paint. It's like, hey, you need to chill mm-hmm. out, right? So I, I think that's yes. If, we're we're not saying it all has to be lame workouts um, that are approached lamely. Mm-mm. That's not it. We are saying there are conversations with yourself and with your coach about where you are and what it should be. That probably should happen more often than they, for most people, do. Well said. What else? The, the call to action today is if you want to have a conversation with this incredible human being, <laughs> all you have to do is go to the website. Alyssa is the one that is the gatekeeper to, to what we do here in the bricks and mortar, and then even those that are training remotely. And I feel like we should probably keep having these conversations. And there's a lot more that we could talk about. Yes. I mean, the art of coaching, you know, women's health, like like so many things. But I, I feel like this has been a great conversation that will will help parents and, and coaches alike. So yes, we so yes, I handle all of the incoming inquiries when people inquire about the gym. So I've had this conversation. How many times? A thousand. <laughs> uh, truly, I was thinking last night. I was like, probably a thousand times. I mean, about what are you looking for, mm-hmm. and how can we help? And you know, fill me in. And so many times, people will say, "I used to be fit. I want to be back where I was. I haven't done this in a while, or something." I think because I used to do these conversations with with COVID too, and pre COVID, mm-hmm. and it, it's always about. Like, I used to be this, and I want to be this. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm super glad that you're motivated, but we also want to understand where we are now Mm -hmm. and how that's really different. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing about what we do here is we meet them where they are, and then we need to fine-tune what that needs to look like based off their goal. But 
you are not who you were 10 years ago, and that's okay. And it's wonderful. So great. The end. Yeah. <laughs>